the whole term of personal growth and development is starting to get tossed around so loosely that the idea and speaking about personal growth sounds cool. So every motherfucker is now fucking just talking about it and tossing it around. Growth this, growth that, development. But what are you really doing to actually work on yourself? What are you reading to actually work on yourself? What are you doing for your actual self-improvement? Welcome to the One Hustle Show, where we're here to inspire, motivate, and educate you about other people's hustle in hopes that you can find your why. Welcome to the One Hustle Show. I am very excited for today's podcast. I have a legend in my eyes, um, a very good friend and someone I learned a lot from. Uh, he is a peak performance coach and a lot more than that. So I am very excited to introduce him. I got my co-host, New Home Yogi, and let's get it rolling. Did you say new homie yogi? Oh, yeah. I don't even call oh, her that's by awesome. her name. Yeah. I have branded myself because of this master in marketing that people actually come up to the store and say, new home yogi. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they call me. When you brand yourself to a point, your identity is that person you created. And that's what well, you Well, it's definitely worked. I caught on to it when I first met you guys. And that was it. I was like, this is actually a very fascinating um, title to have but I was like it actually makes sense and it works because he had told me originally about you doing yoga but then just in general um the whole yogi and home and being in real estate like it all just made sense and it kind of gives this feeling of comfort for the customer or the client where it's like um they don't there's no the intimidation factor is is removed right out the gate because it just sounds friendly oh. so uh great kudos I love it. I think he came up with it, and it stuck. Well, I don't want to give him kudos. No. <laughs> no, but I love it. And I, when I started doing loans, I was like, hmm. Should I rebrand myself? Should I rebrand myself? But I decided to just keep it because even though I do loans, I still do houses. And sure. That's how people know me, and I don't want to change it. So. Right on. So we started this show with the name One Hustle, because I always taught Daniel, all it takes is one. One client, mm -hmm. one impact, one anything. So that's why we have the One Hustle and Hustle One plates. Sure. Because it just reminds us, it's, you know, there's a hustle, whatever you choose it to be. It could be like even yoga's my hustle sometimes, you know, but real estate has always been mine. I mean, I was raised in it. He's third generation. So... We, we just run with that, and that's like sure. our motto. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that's that's the whole um, concept of the power of one, mm -hmm. one family, one phone call, one client, one at a time, and that's that's how you build your success. Because if you're trying to like, you know, especially when you're getting your feet wet and you're trying to target hundreds or the masses, you get so scatterbrained that you don't even really know where to start, and then you start to kind of chase numbers as opposed to being focused on one client at a time. And you kind of just throw up all over everybody. And um, you don't really fall forward. You kind of fall backwards because you're, you're, chasing, you're chasing a number that doesn't even make sense when you're just getting started. And if you always run with the concept of power of one every day, no matter how successful you are, I mean, it's a matter of time where you meet that one person that changes your game and your life forever. It'll be that one day where you guys pick up the $100 million client and it changes everything. Your business, your building, you guys opening up your own building for real estate, like that, all of that can change just from one person. So you guys, 
You guys are doing it all right. So you want to ask him or you want me to? No, you can ask him. Okay. Thank you for that, though. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate that. that. Um, I think it's powerful. And, like, I learned from one of my mentors to start every day at zero. That was powerful to me. Like, start every day at zero. You have zero clients. What does that hustle look like? And then be hungry, you know? 100%. So I'll let you go into your question. Well, I just wanted to, you know, preface, like, we didn't want to make this real estate. We wanted to make it about entrepreneurs. Sure. And so... But this ties into that. Right. The power of one, the whole one concept, the one hustle concept, it fits into anything you go into. Any business, whether whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, that concept still follows no matter what industry you're in. And that's the part where people kind of fall short is is thinking that they got it made every time they walk into the next day. Like, I got this many clients. This is what's going on for me. And eventually that kind of makes your head way too big. And you forget that you still have so much more learning curves to go through um, to excel at your craft. And so that you said it, you couldn't have said it any better, but that if you wake up every day starting at ground zero, even though you have money in the pipeline, business and clients in the pipeline, you still have to pretend like you don't have anything in the pipeline. Because then when that pipeline explodes, then it's really game on. And then you're sitting at different tables that only the elite can have access to, but it's always feeding the pipeline as if there's nothing in it. So where I wanted to start with this, because I don't really know you, you know, you've impacted Daniel's life is what is your one hustle and where did that start? Like, let's go back to like the beginning of Sean. Um, okay. If we go backwards, um, it started from when I was like a child. Like I, I grew up in the most, toxic dysfunctional family um and there's worse out there for sure but mine was pretty pretty bad like i grew up pretty much from the age of four on uh, my father was extremely abusive um beat the shit out of me every day uh whenever he felt like it uh sometimes i won't say that i deserved it but sometimes i just want to wrestle with dad and when i would just jump on his back i'd get thrown on the floor you know, hit in the face and then it's leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And, you know, so that was my childhood for a long time. And uh, that led to depression. And I had older siblings that were uh, born with a chronic illness. So just seeing them go through what they were going through added another layer of depression. And so when I got to my teens, uh, I started doing drugs and from that point, I went. It led from one thing to another, from cigarettes to marijuana to uh, snorting Ritalin and Adderall, and then to actual cocaine, and then um, mushrooms, acid, ecstasy, like the whole nine yards. And then eventually, I'm full blown hooked, where I'm like literally uh, cocktailing all these drugs on a daily basis. And so that went for uh, my entire teen years. I was never sober, sober. And then um, I was, I attempted suicide and I was suicidal. There was three different attempts. And that was just before two were when I was getting sober. One was after um, because of a really bad relationship that really like kind of messed with my head. And I was trying to make sure I don't go backwards to the drugs. Um, but yeah, most of my, my whole, I have no childhood really. Is, is the way I try to tell people. Growing up, abuse, 
depression, drugs from four till 21. Um, so Sean's childhood is pretty much just down the drain, non-existent, no value. And then from there for me, it was, how do I, I got to give myself a shot. Like I don't trust anybody. I don't trust my family. All my friends suck. No one's there for me. Everyone's betrayed me. Um, and I felt like, and without trying to sound too religious or spiritual, um, on one of my attempts, God spoke to me and was like, you deserve a chance at life. Just don't do it. Give yourself a shot and see where it goes. Screw everybody else and see where Sean can take himself. Powerful. And so... I kind of had this awakening moment where I was like, you know what? I do deserve a chance and I can't rely on anybody and no, and, and you know, we hear from successful people all the time. No one's going to come save you. No one's going to hand you that deal. You got to go after it. So for me, it was like, okay, where do I start? Like, how do I, how do I get my feet wet? Cause I don't trust anybody. And I'm certainly not going to go to therapy or psychology because I think they're even worse than any friends. Um, you know, now that's not me trying to diss on anybody, but, uh, I don't believe that, uh, anyone should be getting treated by someone that has not actually, um, experienced what they're helping somebody in. Right. And so like when therapists try to, uh, diagnose or work with addicts that have never been there before, um, it's very contradicting to their craft unless, um, unless they're actually doing like real brain scans and to actually see like, where's the activity? Where's the holes? What are the cause of this? And then they lead them down a path of, of holistic nutrition and, and developing new habits. So without going down that line um, that down that path, um, I was like, okay, the first thing I need to do is the last 15 years of my life has just been a shit show. Are we allowed to swear on here? Yeah. yeah. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. The <laughs> last 15 word. years has been a shit show. So I was like, let me reverse all this. I'm unhealthy. My skin looks like it's a, like I'm a ghost. I look like I'm dying. I got black bags under my eyes. Um, you know, I weigh 145 pounds at 6'2". So I'm like a stick, like literally the size of this. And um, I was like, let me just reverse what's been going on in my life. So I submerged myself into health and nutrition and exercise just for the purpose of getting healthy. That's all that mattered. Dropped out of college. I was going to go to law school. Um, I had already started uh, studying criminal, uh, uh, criminal justice. And I wanted to just see if my brain can at least start processing what life can be if I can just start getting healthy. So, you know, after a couple of years, I realized that, like, I'm always going to be an addict. I still have these weird urges, but I never want to go back to that life. What do I do? So I, and I discovered that if I can just find certain things to be like super passionate about that will help me create healthy obsessions, I can just transfer that addictive personality and the energy into the things that matter for me, you know? And so got into bodybuilding again, just for me, not necessarily to compete, but because I knew that would be something that I can really go to battle with myself and fight my demons on a regular basis. And if I need to go to the gym two or three times in a day, I did that in the first two, three years. Um, you know, sometimes I went three times a day and my mom was like, what the hell's the matter with you? And I was like, I got problems. I got issues. Like that's my scapegoat, you know? And then I realized once I really started to get healthy and I started feeling better, I was like, you know what? I want to, 
I want to do the same thing for people. If it really saved my life, not that cliche, it saved my life, but really saved my life, protected me from going back to drugs and protected me from ever wanting to take my life again, I wonder what my story and my message can do for those that might be going through the same thing or just feel like they need, they need to be, they're not going to be in a good place in life unless they feel healthier. So I went into uh, fitness coaching and personal training. Can I ask a quick question? With yes. Letting you, do you ever, when was that? And do you ever crave drugs now? No, okay. that was when I turned, I gave myself that chance right before my 21st birthday. Um, because I knew that's where life was going to begin, at least for me at that point. And, you know, for most kids, it does start at 21. Because now you're an adult. And you can do everything legally at that point. Um, you know, so uh, I I went into business for myself, and I just started coaching and training people. And then um, after a couple of years, I wanted to learn just more about life and business. So I left the fitness world and I went into financial advising for five years. And that's, I loved everything that I learned, got licensed, did the insurance and the investment side together. Um, and I walked away after five years because I started to realize I was working with some people that uh, were very unethical, not necessarily on the business side, but on a moral level with just people in general. And they threw around the God card so many times that when they started to do it as much as I heard it, I started to question really their morality. Because generally, most people, unless you're a pastor, you don't need to drop the God card like every other day on every single sentence statement about life and business. So I started to pay attention very closely and I started to realize everything was about money for these people. And it wasn't about their, their clients. It wasn't about... Um, their team uh, it wasn't about team building it was really about how much more money can the team bring to the table and so I was like I can't be a part of this this isn't why I got involved this isn't why I wanted to be a part of a team and so I walked away and there's a lot of other stuff that happened that took place on, on all that and I went back into fitness because I was missing it so I went to the corporate world um, in the health club business and uh, me and a team of four or five people uh, went out and worked directly with a CEO and we took one of his companies from four clubs to 15 clubs and, um, you know, set certain records across the nation in the gym business, you know, and then from there came to Vegas, started my own business. And, uh, that's the, that's a short, long story of, of my life. The simple version. Right. She didn't know all that. I've learned, I've learned some, a lot of, a lot of pieces, but not in, not in that flow. So, very interesting. So, early on, who would you say was, like, your biggest mentor, like, when you got sober? My past. I relied on every single thing that I went through in life as my guidance and my mentor. You said it. You said transfer of energy. That's what you said. You use the energy, and I think that's important. That's the one thing I got from that is you use that energy, that negative energy, whatever you want to call it, is fuel to get you where you want to go. And I think so many people going through stuff don't realize that if they pivoted their thinking, that they could that very thing that you know they think is hurting them, they can use to fuel them. Well, yeah, because like you know, everyone says, 
I hate, I mean, more so for me because like I don't, I dislike when people say your past doesn't define you, but it actually does, whether it's good or bad. Um, even when people who are still struggling today because they think their past defines where they are today so they got to have a shitty life, that still defines you. But you can also use that as what are all the things that I learned from my past and how do I use that into becoming somebody better and doing the opposite things that I was doing. So for me, like when people say don't have any regrets, no, have all your regrets and use those regrets as your guideline because that's what regrets are. Because you have regrets, you learn to never make those same mistakes again. You have regrets in a relationship, you take what you've learned from them and how to apply them into the next relationship, right? Or regrets from fucking up in business somehow. Well, you learn from that. So why are we running away from our regrets? Why are we running away from our, from our past? Why are we trying to pretend like our past doesn't define us when 100% it does? So my first few years... My, I used my darkness and my past, my history, my shitty childhood growing up as my mentorship and as my, um, my like I said, my guideline on how to make my, make my way through, through life. You know, then uh, when I went into financial advising, uh, I did latch on to, to somebody in that field um, temporarily. Um, and like I said, as soon as I started to feel some weird fishy stuff about the God card and um, money and just being so money driven that you just don't care about actual people, I isolated myself and walked away. And then, um, you know, after that, I, I started to really raise my standards on like levels of impossibility. Um, whether it was for people that I wanted to bring into my life or even mentorship and coaching that I seeked out. They had to match or have greater levels of standards and values that I wanted to emulate in life. Um, so that's kind of where it all started for me when it came to um, navigating through life. I think people often look externally for answers when a lot of the answers can be internal. If you every, every answer is internal. I mean, most of the time when you get a coach, outside of certain things that are beyond your skills, what do they end up doing? They end up reminding you of things that you should know about yourself as is or that you just maybe overlook. Because it's so simple. Maybe bring internal things to the surface like, hey, this is what you are. This is the skill set you have. This is how you got to go use it. Do you go off your gut intuition? 99% of the time. When did you develop? How how did that develop? When was the youngest age you remember having that and started recognizing? I it? so I recognized that right away when I was a kid. Um, even when I was using drugs, the difference was I didn't listen to it before, which is what got me into the mess that it got me into. Um, and as I started to develop my my character and um, who I wanted to become, I started to realize all the things that I went through in life really helped me realize like my intuition has almost been spot on every single time. I think I've maybe missed it once or twice um, where I thought something and I was incorrect, but I'd say out of, if I was to take 10,000 thoughts and feelings, 9,999 were spot on um, to this day. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with because of my childhood from the abuse, from the depression, 
the drugs, because drugs make you super paranoid, you know, but it also makes you tap in to really pay attention, like super high awareness, not just self-awareness, but everything around you, your energy, your energy, um, your intentions, people's motives. Are they genuine? Is it because they just want to, you know, gain something? Um, I got so tapped in with that that within five minutes of meeting somebody, and again, most people will see this and think that I'm, I'm being arrogant, but within five minutes, I pretty much know what someone stands for, who they are, and what their intentions are. You can feel it faster than gonna, that. And you do that all from intuition. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think um, someone said this to me. They said that your your whole your twenty years of fucked upness really helped you develop a real sixth sense, and I was like, yeah, that's probably spot on, because um, I I operate from a level of my spirit, so I really go into like if I'm if I meet you for the first time, and within ten minutes of you and I having a conversation, I actually just tap inward and go. And go seek my spirit and listen to my spirit on what it's telling me about you and how it feels about you being in my presence. And if it's telling me certain things, then I really start to listen close. As you're talking, I'm present with you, but I'm present with myself, paying attention to what is my spirit trying to tell me about this person? Are they a good person? Are they bad people? Are they kind of just average neutral? Um, you know. And I learned over the years that I need to listen to that at all times. And I so, get a sick feeling when it's bad, but I don't know if I'm as tapped in as you. I don't get that they're a mediocre person or, you know, because I think I, sometimes my brain I, sees greatness. I see too much. I see too much of the. I think naturally, um, just based on how they speak, I, I'll realize if it's if they're like more mediocre mentality or if they are like about, you know, high performance. Um, or I'll even recognize if this person has exponential potential and they don't even realize it so they're operating at a small at a low level but because no one's poured any kind of belief in this person or this person hasn't been exposed to limitless possibilities you know and um you know your your former trainer she's the same thing when she came to me she had no idea the level of potential that she had and all i did was tapped into it grabbed her spirit and pulled it into the surface and made her realize like you have no idea what you're not doing and you know and her and her success speaks for itself it's cool seeing how it just came from within because a lot of people it comes from extra like me i watched the secret when i was eight years old i learned how to do that shit that was like learned sure like that wasn't like on accident like she right. might me help me watch the secret i watched the secret and developed these like okay let's put it on a board and then you have it and then you realize oh shit i got that and then it gets faster and faster. And then like the gap in between me getting things becomes sooner. And then I realize my potential to, to uh, attract things. And then there's other laws around it. But at a bare level, I realized that works and how it works. And I just saw how far I could take it. And I, I built it. And I've learned and listened and always trust my gut. And I just go with it unapologetically. Like I really, I don't need to know why it doesn't feel good. If it doesn't feel good, I run. Like run far. And I, yeah. I watch watch who I keep around me because I, I am like that and I can feel people's energies like you can. So having people around me, the energy, it, it can be toxic. Yeah, I think, um, no, I believe uh, people don't operate at a level of protecting their energy at all times. And I think it's 
to me it's fascinating to see how people just want to how some people just run around happy go lucky like everything is so perfect like everybody wants to genuinely be friends and as much as here's the thing look andy frisella talks about this too we would like everyone to be friendly we wish everyone had you know uh sincerity we wish every single person that we came across just genuinely wanted to see you do well but that's not the case and i i live in a world of like extreme reality not just real life but then i let some superficiality and fabrication exist also i'm like super extreme and you know that obviously about me working directly and you know that a little bit about me but um to 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 operate in life and pretend like everyone just wants to be awesomely happy and fun and games and we're all going to be friends and then to not expect that disappointment isn't going to follow that is absolutely one of the craziest things to me because at the end of the day the way i befriend and i mean like friend not this bullshit way that people throw the terms friend and fam around like i fucking can't stand that because at the end of the day if i'm going to call you family I better confidently know that you're going to be there for me if I'm on my deathbed, if I got in a car accident, if I got to call you at two in the morning, if I'm in deep shit and you have the ability and the capability to help me, I better you better be that one of those people. And the reality is for me to pretend like all these people want to be friends when I know they're not going to do these things that I just mentioned, why am I going to pour any more energy other than just being you know, polite, courteous, respectful, and that's where it stops. So when you decide somebody's not good for you, how do you decide to cut them off? Do you just not talk to them? Like, what's your test? Well, when you say cut them off, the thing is, that it doesn't it doesn't go past a certain point for there to be for there to be a cut off. So it it happens at this point, and then where where does it go there? Doesn't go anywhere. Okay. It just kind of yeah, like if like for example, let's say um, you know someone introduces you and I for potential business partnership, and we 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 meet here we sit at the table we talk about um you know what kind of operation we're looking at what type of investment we might be looking at and um i ask some questions you ask some questions what type of questions you ask i'm also going to ask I'm, i also ask people like what are your values what are your principles because um, I want to know. I want to hear it from people and usually the way somebody explains that i know if they're full of shit or not also and so right after I walk out away from that meeting, I've already made the decision if I'm going to continue on with this person or not. And then when I say, I say, hey, Daniel, I'll get back to you within a week. Let me think about it. I'll still get back to you, but I'll say, I don't think it's going to be a good fit. And that's it. I won't write it where it creates this awkward discomfort afterwards. That's just pointless, wasted energy and wasted thinking. And, um, you know, I... My brain capacity, I only leave it available for the things that matter. So I'm not trying to carry things that don't matter just because I want to be polite or nice about it. Like I said, my life is very, very, very realistic, and I'm not trying to waste time with anything that's irrelevant to the present or the future. And more so the future. Today doesn't matter. If you don't fit my future, you're not going to exist in it. I like that. It's extreme, but it's the truth. But what happens when you have friends? You let people in, and then you realize. You mean if I slip and I miss that? Yeah. Yeah. That At this point in my life, it doesn't happen. 
It hasn't happened in like five, six years. So I've been in Vegas for six years now. There's only been five people in six years that I've met that I've allowed into my circle. That's it. And if you're not in my circle, you're not coming much closer. You know, unless like, obviously naturally like through some like, you know, you you meet people along the way, whether it's through business or clientele, and you realize like, oh, these are good people, whatever, and you kind of establish relationships and whatnot. Um, but as far as like my actual circle goes, like I said, there's only been five people that I've met since I could move to Vegas that I've made it in that I will at any given day go to war for them, take a bullet for them, and I know they would do the same thing. It's, it's reciprocal. Okay, I guess I need to rephrase it. Speaking to your younger self, i.e. Daniel, what advice would you give him if he's not reached the point that you have with like how clear and defined you are and how to choose friendships and allow people in? So once already once the friendship is already developed and then after time you realize that realize no. this is not this is not benef- this is not something that I see in my so, future. I so, recognize that. So would this be in business or would this be on a friendship level? Unfortunately, the the friendship level because the business level is easy. It's you know it's business. You're fired. And you, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's very it's very cut and dry with um, me. On a friendship level, I mean it's it's pretty simple. You just stop doing stuff with them. And here's do, the thing: do they own are they owed an explanation? I guess is my question. Yes and no, but here's the thing: it's you be truthful about it. You just occupy your time with shit that matters. And then when you can't hang out with them, and they wonder like, hey man, I haven't seen you in two weeks. What's going on? But like, sorry bro, I'm just busier. And I said, what do you mean you're busier? Like, well, you know, I got the office. I'm managing my team. I'm busy with mom. And we're taking on some more projects. And it, you're being truthful. So there's but no that, lie or bullshit. And that's what it is. Like, you know, when my plate's it's full, just like you talk about, the mental capacity to actually allow additional things into the, the, the plate that's already there. It's like, this is so valuable to me to anything that takes away from this. Yeah. And the only explanation is, sorry, bro. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm tied up with too many projects. I don't have time to hang out. And I think it's a reality of a lot of entrepreneurs that we it's don't simple. You, you don't have time to hang out. You don't really hang out. <laughs> Listen, my girlfriend and I barely even get to do much. We have two. Um, we have one mini date night that's maybe a couple hours, and we have like one date night that's maybe three four hours, and then we spend a little bit of time on a Saturday. We spend a little bit of time on a Sunday, and then we obviously try to work out with each other together. But that's it. You that's say it. That, you say that's it, but the time you're with each other, you're probably extremely intentional. I'm super present, extremely present, and you're there. But again, and most people, the, can, the time her and I, if I include working out together, we maybe spend ten to twelve hours a week with each other. Maybe. maybe. How long have you guys been together? A year. But here's the difference: when we met. I set the boundaries. I set the ground rules. And not rules where I'm trying to be like some controlling dickhead. It's like, hey, look, this is my life. This is how much my life demands of me and my time, my attention, and my mental capacity. And this is all I have room for. My life is actually not conducive for a relationship. So you can choose if you want to be a part of it or not. But I need you to understand I'm not adjusting and I will not compromise anything to go for the relationship if it means taking any kind making any kind of sacrifice from my business to this go to the relationship because right now i'm in the pinnacle of my life and of my career and there is no single person on this planet that 
I will compromise my dreams for at all. Even if that means my dreams are, I have to push them back by a year. Not going to happen. You're either going to ride or die with me or you're not going to be a part of it at all. And here's the thing. For the most part, she, most women in general will appreciate that if a man can says that. You know, she appreciates that. Now, is it difficult sometimes for her? Yeah, absolutely. Does it bother her sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Like I went to Dallas this weekend because we're getting ready to open up an office and it bothered her that she couldn't go. She's like, why can't I go? And I was like, I, I can't have distractions. I got to go work. I'm on like my A game right now. I have, I'm on a mission and I have very minimal time to get what I need to get done and then fly back. And I don't, I don't, I can't be thinking about you being at the hotel. I can't be thinking about us having dinner time or having any kind of romance time or emotions together. I need zero emotion while I go do this operation right now. And that's how I operate every single day. Right. And you might, and through the, through the course of life and business, you might meet someone that's actually moving at the same pace as you. And then it might make sense. But to get introduced doesn't make sense. Not, even Not for, sense. especially where you guys are at right now too. You guys are, you guys are also in the pinnacle of your uh, careers together. And it. there's no room for distractions or interruptions or something that could break your guys' energy. Energy. Uh, there's no, there's no space for that. And unfortunately, most people, and this is one of the most fascinating things to me, is most people don't pay attention to that. They don't, they don't cut, they don't have a cutoff for that, you know. And they're okay with being. And again, if you're okay with being content, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But then, don't complain and bitch that you can't afford this or they can't afford that or that you don't have enough money or that you're not saving enough or you're not putting. Don't bitch about it. Because you're willing to go hang out on the weekend or you're willing to have a little extra girlfriend, boyfriend time, then don't ever bitch about money. Don't ever bitch about why you're not making a million dollars a year or why you're not doing it sooner. You know, some people are like, if I could just make $10,000 a month, I'm good. And I'm like, are you really good? And they're like, yeah, I'm good. Six months later, man, I wish I could go to Aspen like you did or buy a car like you did. Well, no, you don't because you told me you're fucking good. You told me you're good with making 10000 a month. So you don't tell me you wish for these things when on the flip side you're saying, I'm good with making this much money. So which one is it? And it's like, boom, wake up call. You know, like, um, I know it's far away, but one of your dreams is to own a jet. Absolutely. I 100% believe you're going to accomplish that. I have no doubt in my mind. How much time it is, I don't know because I don't know where you guys are at financially wise. But do I believe that there's going to be a DC jet? Fucking thousand percent. I have zero doubt. And I'm cheering you on for that too at the same time. I appreciate that. You know, because um, it's something you've talked about. It's something you post about. It's just something that you want for your business, your family, your life. And um, I truly believe you're going to accomplish that. But again, because you're putting the work, you're putting the footwork towards it also. Every day. You know? Every day. That's what I, I, I start with that in mind. I'm like, to get there, the person I have to be is so different than the person I am today to, to achieve that. And what you're doing today is not going to get you to where you need to be either. And I realize that. So it has to, it's a constant evolution to chase that person. That's my invisible person that I, that myself, that's my inward self that I, I can see how to get there. I know how to get there. I know the work that has to happen and just go out there and do it every day. You have to be willing to expose and face your weaknesses 
everyone always thinks you got to focus on your strengths. Fuck your strengths. Your strengths are going to keep improving by default because you're already operating on your strengths as it is. So um, the whole term of personal growth and development is starting to get tossed around so loosely that the idea and speaking about personal growth sounds cool. So every motherfucker is now fucking just talking about it and tossing it around. Growth this, growth that, development. But what are you really doing to actually work on yourself? What are you reading to actually work on yourself? What are you doing for your actual self-improvement? And here's the thing, too. Here's the flip side. Are the things you're working on to improve yourself the things you're already good at? Because then you're not, really, you're not really working on personal development. That's not growth. Because all these things, so you're basically reading on things that are validating what you're already doing. Where's the growth in that? So how are you strengthening? How are you, how are you shrinking that margin on your weaknesses? You're not. You're, uh, you're ignoring your weaknesses. That doesn't help you grow and evolve. I'm a little mind blown. It's interesting when I see this because I'm seeing it a lot right now, even with personal friends of mine. And I'm like, check yourself. Stop reading shit that's telling you what you're already doing is accurate so that you can intensify it. You're going to get intense as you go anyways. If you're an A-type personality, you don't need something. You don't need to go read something that tells you to go execute harder. You maybe spend 10 to 20% more on how to sharpen that a little bit. The other 80%, put it in your weaknesses, your leadership skills, how to win friends and influence people. I mean, that's a book. But that statement is actually real life as a true statement because I've asked people straight up, well, what are you, what are you doing to uh, increase your circle, the value of your circle, and influence people to go do bigger and better things? And they don't have the skill set for it. So then it's like, well, why are, you, why are you trying to improve your sales skills if your team building and leadership skills suck? Go put all that energy in that. You're going to figure this part out as you go anyways. I'm a hardcore A-type personality. I don't, need to go, I don't need to go listen to too much of Tim Grover, for example, when I'm already an executioner. You need to come do some yoga with me. Oh, shit. There it is. <laughs> that's what and, you're, and, and that leads into what she does. You know, That's what she does for people. She t- does this unconventional thing. She, does, she, she brings them in a room and does things that's really hard for them that's completely out of the norm. For people that have never done yoga. Most of yeah, the time. I used to do Bikram yoga, actually. Business owners and time. people like that that don't typically Yeah, but do that's that. a personality yoga. I need to put you in a room and have you hold three to five minute poses in the end. The Bikram yoga I took had that. It was the hardest shit I've ever done. Um, but Yeah, but it's in the heat and it's hard and all of that. I'm talking about quiet, slow, slow lay on the floor and not move for five minutes. In okay, that I'm sure it'll kick my ass. Yeah, I'm sure, I have no doubt. It will. Standing still for me is like really See, hard. He can't. He he fidgets the whole time. Like when I get stillness out of him in the end, it's amazing. Oh yeah, if I if when I do yoga, I, I can definitely I can tap out of my go 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 mentality and just sit still. That's why I do my super early morning walks. That's why I go hiking with my dog because I get to go. I get to the top of a mountain and I just sit there in silence, no music. I have the music on when I'm getting there, but then once I'm at the top, no music, just me and my pup, and looking at the sky and everything around me, just total silence. And I and there's almost no service, so I can't be interrupted. Beautiful. And I just get to meditate up there for 
30 minutes to an hour before I decided to come back down. When you did know? you start meditating? I've been meditating for a long time. It's a developed thing. Yeah. Again, it, it all, again. I feel like you refine that. Cause like watching you walk out, I'm like, that's fucking meditation. Like people don't understand. But like, again, it's me, it's me being, um, me having hundred percent congruency with who I used to be. How do I keep getting better? Well, I need to take all my flaws and things that I still suck at and expose myself to them. I don't need to expose them to you. If I can be honest and truthful to myself, I got to be willing to surface and expose my own bullshit and my weaknesses to myself so that I can actually put work into them, not run away from them. I'm not going to be able to lead people if I don't. When did your leadership skills get refined? The first time I went and watched John Maxwell speak, I was like, I'm all in on this, 100%. And I went, he, and those who don't know him, he is the guru of leadership, you know? And, and he also used to be a pastor too, which was just a big bonus in it too, because I was like, here's a man that's teaching people on leadership, on how to help develop others. And he brings God into the picture and from a very humble state of mind, and I was all about it. So I just started picking up his books and reading them so I can fine tune my leadership. Um, Cause I knew once upon a time that was a very, very poor skill set of mine because I was just like, go, go, go. If you're not on the train with me, fuck off. I'm just going without you. Now for me, it's like, how can I influence and inspire you to want to get on this train with me? And through run, what going through, going out, getting on this train and running with me to my dreams, your dreams are going to get accomplished through them also. That's real leadership. Real leadership is making you bigger, better, stronger than me, faster than I did it. That's leadership. People think leadership is, let me motivate you to go do something. And then they think, they, they think they're leaders. Oh, I'm definitely not. That's, what, that's, that. that's my weakness. That's both of our, we've learned that. Oh, running a company, we started, we were successful I'm in like, one I line of field. Shit, I don't want to do this shit anymore. This is too fucking hard. Yeah. And the, we've learned hard lessons and it's like a learning, it's, you know, personal growth. It's personal growth. Go and dive into the things we're bad at. Well, leadership is passing the baton and it doesn't have to be in the same industry, but it's passing the baton on how to show somebody to do everything better than you did and faster. Give them the cheat codes to life. That's real leadership. Excuse me. And it's weird for me when I, when I see people who call themselves leaders, but they're just all about, can I motivate per this person to go from point A to point B? When it's like, no, man, you're supposed to transfer your fucking knowledge into this person so they can do what you did in 12 months. Again, we'll use your former coach because you guys know who she is. I showed her how to make, go from 30,000 a year to well over six figure income in her first official year. That took me five years to do, to figure that out. I shortened that. She's good. You did good. And that's, and, and that's what you're supposed to do. As you guys bring people in, your job is to help somebody become better than you guys in the real estate business. Treat them so well, teach them so well that they have the ability to leave, but they never want to because of how you treat them. 
I definitely can take some tips on leadership from you. But do you do you feel like? Because I definitely have that. Get on the fucking trainer and get the fuck out of my way. I used to be like that. It's so hard because I'm so a personally. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I love to teach people. Like, don't get me wrong. That piece, I love. So you like the educating part. But then I get frustrated when when they they don't don't do do it like me. Patience. Yeah, that's something I can learn. (laughs) That was the other thing, too. Um, You know, again, my 100%, I owe all the credit to my past. I'm very grateful my father kicked my ass. I'm very grateful my mom and my sister mistreated me. I'm very grateful and sad at the same time that, you know, my siblings went through what they did and my brother passed away, God rest his soul, and that I went through drugs and wanted to kill myself. I'm grateful for all of it um, because that taught me so many different things. And I still, to this day, this will be my 17th year of being sober. And thank you. And... Still to this day, I go tap into that old world, that old Sean, because there are still answers that I don't have. There are still things from the old Sean that I know I can learn from. While at the same time, I have a mentor and a coach that I, that I look to for advice. How often do you see your coach? Um, we talk every single day. Every day. Same coach? More than one? Um, just one now. I've been working with him directly for... <clears throat> five years now and it'll never change at this point when it comes to business and life and experience and just how to become a better man and a gentleman i have no reason to change or adjust anything at this point and here's the thing too like once you find the right mentor and coach you get so close with them that eventually it goes from being mentor student to business partners and now we're both coach each other and we both educate each other. So like now we're both at even playing fields. There's still a lot of knowledge and skills that he has that I don't have. He's 68 years old. Um, but now we're riding the wave together. We're in business together. We're doing certain things, projects together. And there's a lot of things that I end up teaching him and educating him on outside of what my expertise, outside of fitness, obviously, but just in the world of business and leadership. But because he's helped me elevate to a certain point, and now we see things. Now we bounce ideas off each other. If you were going to give me a recommendation of how to find somebody like that, what would you say? It's one of two ways. You either you either go hire a coach that you know is already doing big shit, or you'll run into somebody through your path and journey of business and life. And as soon as you start to realize this person, male or female, has certain qualities about them, character traits about them, business skills about them that I want to emulate and learn from, you start to latch on to that and try to be as close with them as possible, spend as much time with them as possible, take them to lunch, offer them stuff, offer something that benefits them, not just buying lunch and that's it but like what can you bring to the table for this person hey you want to buy our video you want to borrow our video guy for for a day i'll come help you out simple things and then eventually after you know three four five months of of developing that relationship you just tell the person like you know what i love and appreciate you so much that uh i would really like to develop a a mentor student relationship with you what's it going to cost me like having the guy that i have now in my corner and what we do together now has expedited my life 10 years into the future. Oh, and I'm there right now. 
And so I've done that from time to time for people, but I want somebody for me. And I haven't found it. I worked with a coach before, but her business wasn't where I wanted it to be or anything like that. So, like, it's hard to take, you know, business advice from somebody that hasn't obtained the success. That you well, no, that's, I mean, that's perfectly well said. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's not necessarily going to be business related. It could just be character traits, values, personality, persona, skills. That you might be more successful than this person because you guys are a little bit more driven, but this person might still have more skills than you do. Because not everybody wants to own a jet, but there are people I that don't. are. But there he are wants one for me, but that's right. not a desire of mine. Right, but and obviously you would think, oh, I need to get mentored by someone like Grant Cardone. Not no. really. Heck no. I'm not. I'm just giving example. It could be someone that's way far more experienced than you are, that doesn't care for the, that that kind of riches and wealth but can still teach you the skill set you need to to get to wherever you want to be. Do you, know who, do you guys know who started the wave of record setting in real estate? I don't. Tom Hopkins. Sold 365 homes in a year. One house a day. I've been to his sales seminars, I want to say three or four times, maybe five. It's been a while. Um, the guy's got sales skills that blow your fucking mind away that see you hear him and you're like, how did I not think about this? It seems so simple. Um, but this guy has taught a lot of people that we follow together, uh, that we all follow, um, their, their set of skills. Ed Milet learned from him when it came to sales. Um, you know, this guy was like, like how John Maxwell, is the guru of leadership. Tom Hopkins is the guru of sales. The wealth part, he just didn't care about at a point. He, I forgot exactly what his story was, but then he broke off, did his own, did his own thing and, you know, killed it in the business. And then he started to, and then I started with teaching other realtors on how to do what he did. I don't necessarily want a real estate coach. So he no, 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 I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying, but again, He's a sales coach. Right. So, because he's, he's taught and mentored uh, financial companies, auto dealership companies. He's, he's coached people because certain sales is across the board, certain sales oh, skills. I agree. So, that's what people have hired him for. And he's done great. Yeah, I got licensed to do loans now, too. <laughs> so, it's really about, yeah, so it's really about, it's, it, it, you got to look at their skill sets versus right. their actual success comparison wise skill sets for sure and character traits let's talk about rituals you're the king of them okay want to hear about it and what you suggest what's your question like talk about your rituals well let's start with a question what would somebody who has no idea what the fuck rituals are and where do they even get started with implementing we had somebody on the rit- Somebody that you know, they're successful people that you know that have don't don't necessarily know what that is or have that or the first thing I'm going to slap you with is non-negotiables. Non-negotiables is rituals. It's the same thing. Most people are like, "Well, what the hell is a non-negotiable?" It's shit that you're going to do that you will absolutely not compromise, no matter what the hell is going on in life. Somebody dies, something happens, there's a freak accident. It absolutely gets done unless you physically cannot. But you have a set of five to seven non-negotiables that absolutely have to be done every single day 
There is no compromise for them whatsoever. Whether you're on vacation, whether you're too busy, whether your day doesn't end till midnight, there are certain things you have. You have you have a core five to seven things that have to get done no matter what, and those become your rituals because that paves the way of how disciplined you stay, how convicted you are to your mission, because these non-negotiables are. Um, are the opening doors to how much more successful you become because how you execute these non-negotiables are going to transfer into whatever matters to you in life. So me waking up at 2 in the morning and going to bed at 10 and the things that I do from 2 a.m. till 7 a.m. before I get interrupted and bombarded with a whole bunch of shit, like these things, as long as my day starts off with a stack of wins and I'm taking care of Sean first and foremost... There really is almost nothing that can get in the way and interrupt my mindset or my energy, no matter how shitty the news is. How do you deal with shitty news? Depends on what it is. But for the most part, I don't. When it comes my way, it's like I'm, 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 I'm super solution-oriented. So if you come to me with a problem, I'm going to ask right away, like, well, what would you do about it? Or what are you going to do about it? And if you don't have an answer, then my next question is, well, I can't help you. I'm not going to give you your solution if you can't even come to me with ideas. So go away and come back when you figure that out. That's one example. How's that work in your leadership? It works great because that's the truth. Because look, if, if I was coaching you, if I was mentoring you, and you came to me with a problem, my job is to make you independent from me, not dependent. So... If I give you a solution because you're stuck somewhere without coming to me, without, Sean, this is my problem. Here's three different options. I don't know which one to turn to. Then, okay, we can work with something. Then I'm going to break it down, each of these options that you think could be solutions. But if you come to me with a problem and zero solutions, I'm going to be like, Daniel, fuck off. Come back to me tonight or tomorrow or in a couple of days and figure out what some optional solutions are. And then we'll take it from there. See, I like that. Like, I tell them when I hire anybody. Daniel and I did personality testing early on. I remember that. And it really helped us work together. So, like, I go through my personality test with whomever I'm hiring so they know that what what way I like to be communicated with so we can communicate effectively. So I'm like, don't come to me with a problem without some kind of solution. Right. Or, like, a very... Or at least some critical thinking before yeah, you bring real, me the problem. Really well. So, like... But the way you put it makes sense. Like and get the hell out of here you know like because that's probably my biggest frustration in leading is like they come to me and want me to give them there well don't get me wrong that that's not the grammar or the verbiage that i'll use that i'm just paraphrasing oh, yeah, yeah. you know a, a simple fast way unless unless that's the type of personality i might be coaching then i'll i'll, I'll be aggressive like that but if the person i like that i'm gonna be like well daniel have you thought of any solutions no i don't know where to start well then how do you expect me to help you out well can't you just tell me that no do you want to do you want to be dependent on me every single time you you have a problem? No. Don't you want to be independent someday? Yes. Then don't you think it makes sense for you to come to me when you have a few different options and you're stuck with not knowing which option makes the most sense? Then I can help you mathematically and intellectually figure out what the right answer is. And then we rendezvous in a couple of days. I like that. 
giving time to think. Patience. Remember, again, the purpose of leadership is to help somebody become independent and do what you've done better, faster, stronger, and bigger. If you're giving people answers, that doesn't do anything. That just makes you a motivator. I hate the line of, I'm teaching people how to be their best version of themselves. That's great and all, but how? Are you making these people use their critical thinking skills? Are you making them figure out the solutions or just giving them the answers? That doesn't do anything. As I said, the world of growth and personal development is not just being thrown around because it sounds fucking cool. Some people say, you got to work on yourself. You got to, again, you start listening to podcasts and here's, here's, you start listening to podcasts, you start reading certain things and then you start spitting out the shit you heard. <laughs> Regurgitating the shit you heard. <laughs> It was on an Instagram post. And it's not even yours. Or at least spin it where it's your own, where it's a real life different perspective. Not just you said something and then I literally spew it and just change the words a little bit, but it's a little exact same thing. But not from actual Daniel's perspective. And a lot of people are doing that too. And then they think they're smart. And here's, here's what's even funnier about it. Because I follow all these big wigs and these high-profile people, and I listen to most of their shit. Fuck, I've been coached by Ed Milet. I've been on a conference call with just five people, me, four people, and Ed, multiple, multiple times, many years ago. So, you know, as I hear these people, and when I start to hear people get on Instagram and talk about stuff or say certain things, I'm like, well, I just heard that yesterday. I just saw that posted last week. You're not fucking saying anything that these guys aren't saying. You're just regurgitating, as you said, what you just heard. You're not even sharing your own real perspective. You're not even taking what you heard, used it into a real-life experience, and then come back and give it to the world. You're just mimicking the other person. And that doesn't work. It might work to somebody who doesn't know any better and doesn't know anything, but guess what? The right person. You want to you sit at the high table and you spit shit like that, you're not even going to be allowed in the room. I, heard, I just heard what you just said. Or they heard it on a podcast and then they'll put it, and then they'll, they'll make a post and literally like mimic it and they won't even quote it. It's an interesting, it's a very interesting world right now. Authenticity. Let's talk about your social media break. What about it? How did it go? Talk about it. Like how did that help you and... Why do you think that was a good idea and good for other people? Because I totally probably could use one. Wait, my social media what? Didn't you take a social media break recently? Where you were like... Oh, I'm not... I'm I'm not talking into my story anymore like I used to. Because I was doing that during my personal time. And so um, I did it when I was in Aspen because I wanted to... I've always talked about Aspen so much that I wanted to share a little bit with the world of like... This is Aspen. This is what the home of the billionaires is like. This is what it's like to have a seat at the high table. Um, this is the li- this is real lifestyle compared to what people think lifestyle is. And again, whatever they're content with is fine, more power to them. But for those who think they know what lifestyle is, until you've actually been there, you have no idea. Um, but after when I got back and I did a couple more talks, I realized, wait a minute, I want to save my energy and I really want to be in my own meditative trance where it's dark. 
I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to get on social media. Um, I just want to walk the cold, dark, early morning to really dissect Sean and reflect and sometimes maybe even dig deep and to bring the old Sean to the surface to pick the old Sean's brain. Do you wake up to an alarm? Half the time. Half the time I beat it. I don't like beating it, to be honest with you. Because if I'm already getting up around 2, 2.15, I don't like beating it when it's like one forty-five, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever take naps? No. I don't believe in naps. How do you survive off that little sleep day in and day out? So my mental capacity is so tapped out from start to end that my four hours of sleep, sometimes four and a half, is so deep that I'm fully rested when I wake up. I'm not, I'm not, t number one, I removed the term tired from my vocabulary. I don't say I'm tired anymore. Never. And I even catch my girlfriend around and she says, I'm like, it's a bad word. Because the moment you tell yourself you're tired at two o'clock in the afternoon, guess what? You start to go downhill. Your energy starts to slow down. Your operation and critical thinking starts to slow down. Every move you make is now moving at a slower pace because you have now subconsciously told yourself, I'm tired. It's time to slow down. Because what does tired mean? You go to sleep. Doesn't exist. I might say my body's tired because of a workout that I did, but where I'm actually tired, no. How long have you been doing? Year and a half. Year, year and a half. How the tired part, right? The vocabulary? Yeah. yeah. And then, but how long have you been getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning? Three years. What time did you get up before that? Uh, before I had like a, like everybody else schedule. Go to bed, 12, 1 o'clock. Wake up at 7, 8 o'clock. And then I saw a friend that was waking up every day at 3 in the morning in the gym by 4. And I watched his life accelerate very fast. Like like 10 shots of nitrous and in like two years went from making 3000 a month to 200000 a month. And I'm like, no way is this from the operation of getting up that early. But I started to pay very close attention. I studied and I'm like, oh shit, it is. Because his days are actually, his day is starting out with personal self-care. And he doesn't have to cater to anybody because most people are asleep. And anybody who is awake doesn't want to be bothered either anyways. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start doing that. So I started to wake up at 3, 3.30 um, in the gym by 4. And that's when I started 4 a.m. club. And then I'm like, okay, my friend's kicking ass. How do I beat him? Well, I'm never going to catch him if I just keep getting up at the same time. And it's friendly competition. He doesn't know this either. It's not like I wish that he slows down or sucks one day and just kind of falls off. It's more like um, quietly I'm using what he does as my own personal accountability. So now I'm asking myself, how do I beat him? How do I catch up to him? Well, if I keep doing what he's doing at the same time, I'm never going to catch up to him. Because he's not going to slow down. So the only way to catch up to him and then beat him, surpass him, is by getting up earlier. So I give myself a little bit more time to do my stuff and work and client stuff. So I was like, I'm going to get up at 2. 
How much growth have you seen since you've done that? Oh, who Sean was a year ago is not the same person today. And who I was two, three years ago is not the same. Today's, today's version of me will murder four years ago, three years ago by a long shot. Wouldn't just be able to keep up. up in the morning like that. Yeah. But the thing is like, there's intentions behind it too. It's not just because there's a lot of people that say that get it. You get up early, do this, do that. It's like, well, no, but I have very specific detailed intentions on why I wake up when I do and what I focus on from 2 a.m. till I'm in demand. And there's a lot of like deep work that I do. And like I said, I want to bring my flaws to life. And then certain business things that um, I'm working on, I can dive into that without having to worry about calls, interruptions, things that I need to maybe go look up and study. Um, you know, so I'm constantly working on me and my skills that need improving during those quiet times. And so by getting up as early as I do and working on myself and having very specific extreme intentions, my life is fast forwarding on a weekly basis. So if you do the math, if you do the math on it, if seven days a week, I'm sleeping four hours and you multiply 20 hours a week. I went through this with you one day. You multiply 20 hours a day by seven days a week, by 30 days in a month, by 12 months, you're three years in the future. Right. Now, I don't recommend anybody do four hours of sleep. I'm, I'm an addict. So I have the ability and the capacity, capability to do that. Like I said, I took all my fucked up stuff and I took all that energy and that addictive personality and I put it into things that serve me. So if you do, say, six hours... If you need more than six hours, then... I don't need... I need five hours. I'm good on five Right. Hours. So if you take that, and if you actually take 18 hours a day, and every minute is at full capacity, there's no waste of time, and you multiply that by seven times 30 times a year, you're two years in the future. Your 12 months just did 24 months of work. So imagine ten a decade worth of work being done in five years. Every single thing that people talk about... You can accomplish anything in 10 years. You can have the world. Well, there's no reason why you can't have it in five. No, I agree with that. Because the growth that I've had just since I left corporate America has been exponential. Year, six months, past 90 days, past two weeks, past week. It just, it evolves like so fucking hopping. fast. I mean, to call it time hopping. I'm like, dude, I feel like we're time hopping. Because we're in such a different place. Where we were a month ago feels weird. Yeah. It's like wow, I can't even believe we were there a month ago. Like you know, you gotta you gotta go, you go, you have to go at a certain pace, but that pace has to be correct. Also, some people try to move at a speed that they actually can't keep up with, and they get sloppy, and then they start making these inaccurate moves that actually ends up reversing time. That's why I said like it. It's everything has to be planned out. And it has to be super high level intentions. Do you put it all on your phone? Do you put it in a calendar? Where do you plan it? In a book? Phone. Write it down sometimes. Mostly in the phone because I'm always on the go. So I just like my phone is has my phone has over four hundred notes on it right now. Um and I always try to transfer that over to my computer. But um, you know, if I'm home at my desk, I'll write it. Most of the time, 
because I'm barely ever home, I throw it on my phone. How many books a year do you read? So I was doing about, I was averaging somewhere between 12 to 18 before. This year, my intention is uh, three a month, which I'm a little behind because I'm trying to make moves going into another state right now. So it's occupying my time, no excuses. So um, this month, my intention is to have six books completed since the first of the year so that I can get back on that pace. But my goal is three books a month, minimum. What kind of books do you read? I read books that improve my flaws is the best answer I can give you. That was interesting. I never even thought about that. Read books that improve your flaws. Because everybody tries to, you know... If you're great at sales, why do you need to read a sales book? And the areas that you suck at in sales, you can find those answers very easy. Why are you going to waste your time reading something that only needs a couple small tweaks? You know? But then there's books that have to do with character. So, As a Man Thinketh, that's a great book. That will forever be a book I'll open because... There are certain things in there that I'll just pick apart that applies to my character or will apply to my character forever. And based on who I am next month or in a year from now, the very same phrase, I might have a different perspective when I read it. It might apply to me differently. So there's there's certain books like that that will you'll always keep by your side. But then for the most part, you want to go pick out books that improve where you're lacking. Again, that's that's real personal development. It's knowing where you suck and where to find those answers and having the humility to admit to yourself, these are areas that I really need to put work on and I have to be willing to face my flaws to become better. Do you speak to any of your family members? Zero. Zero. Speak to my mom Maybe twice a year. Most people are probably like, you're an asshole. Maybe. I'm but, the same. But I can't. Dad, twice a year. Everybody else, non-existent. They are, to me, they're deceased. Because, like I said, when I was really going through tough times, they weren't there. And um, when my brother passed away, they weren't there. And when my brother passed away, somehow they think that certain people were there for me when they never were. And I was like, I'm just cutting all these people out. I'm the same. I talk to my dad a little bit more than my mom, but my mom, if once a year, uh, I haven't talked to my siblings since 2000 and 2001, except for my brother, my half older brother. Why is that? Because they're life choices, drug addicts. And I refuse to allow that into my life. I don't care if it is. And they're still using? My, uh, let's see here. She's 63, I think. Oh. She's, as far as I know, from what I know. So I'll give you a little history. She um, started with like a toe amputation. And then it oh. was me. And she's had brain surgery. Heroin? Um, meth. Shooting it? Uh, smoking it. She'd drink 
uh, mudslides and pop Laura Tab and smoke sweet in a secular. And she was like a half Sweet. older sister that I looked up to. I didn't grow up with her in the household because she was so much older. But um, I tried to help her years, you know, years ago, and she just didn't want to help herself. And so I chose to cut her out. So, yeah, at some point, you just have to not want that life for yourself anymore. Because, like, when I was using heavily, I was doing cocaine, LSD, and marijuana all at the same time, literally all in the same bundle. That was my that was my go-to cocktail seven days a week, 24-7 I didn't even know what being sober was because that was always on. And then if I decided to throw something else into the mix, I did. And then, you know, after wanting to take my life, I'm like, I'm so tired of this fucking life. I'm tired of being miserable and miserable from hating myself. That, that was enough for me. And here's the thing too. Um, you know, when people come to me for recovery coaching, I never, I always tell them my story. I never, hold anything from them because sometimes maybe the extreme is what's needed but i don't advise them to do this either because it's it's way overboard and it might trigger the wrong person to do something they shouldn't do but for me i made a deal with the devil so i left this out in the beginning when i when i the day i decided to get sober and stop doing drugs i had made took an oath to myself and swore that because, you know, most addicts or alcoholics, for the most part, relapse at least once or twice. Whether they've gotten sober or not, the ones that got sober, most have at least had a, a couple relapses throughout their journey of sobriety. And I knew that. And I was well aware of that. And I wasn't willing to have that happen because my addiction was just so extreme. I was not willing to have a relapse because I could only imagine how much more difficult it would be to get off and that's the fact too you relapse it becomes that much harder to come off again it's easier to go it, every time you relapse it becomes easier to go back to your old habits so i told myself that if i'm going to give myself a chance then i also need to guarantee myself that i'm never going to relapse how do i guarantee that if i relapse the glock goes in my mouth and i pull the trigger done and here's the thing, I knew I wasn't bullshitting myself when I made that promise to myself. I knew that I was going to follow through. If I relapsed, I'm taking my life. And so every time I had these urges in the first 12 to 24 months, I think to myself, you swore you're going to pull the trigger if you relapse. And that was enough for me to not relapse. I went through the withdrawals. I went through the, like... You know, and shit, my withdrawals were hallucinating withdrawals because there was so much LSD in my system that like when I'd withdraw, I'd start seeing shit. When I first, my first year working out, I was hallucinating while doing cardio because all the shit that I was, that I had in my system, I would literally have to stop because there's colors and shit floating in air from just speeding up my, my, um, uh, my uh, my adrenaline and so um like i remember a couple of times like it was so bad that i'd make a couple calls to some friends i'm like dude i'm fucking hallucinating like why i was like i have no idea like i'd have to sit and just like eyeballs falling out of my head and they're like well at least you know you're not gonna go fucking do it again you got your high you're getting your high right now you did lsd every day much 
I was doing in some shape or form. So I was either dropping the liquids, popping tabs, or I was lacing my, my weed with it. So like my go-to, my favorite thing was rolling a blunt, marijuana laced with acid, an eight ball of cocaine on a quarter ounce of weed with, you know, probably about 10 drops of acid mixed into that and then smoking it. How you're alive is beyond. Oh, I don't even know how, to be honest, I have no, I don't know how I have a brain. I don't know how I'm alive. I don't know how I'm not in a black hole in the hospital living off of machines. Like I have no idea. Do you have any residual effects from it? Nothing. The human body is fucking resilient. A, a greater purpose. Right. Honestly. Um, as cliche as that might sound. Because like I said, like even with my attempts, I should have died. There's no way I should have lived. Because one of my attempts, I just tossed like 30 pills in my mouth and swallowed it. And because my tolerance was so high. Oh, shit. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. Well, that was the thing. I know. Because was way fucked up then. I was just more fucked up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, how, do I, how am I alive? How am I not in the hospital? And I'm like, my fucking tolerance. Right. And I mean, you're a big dude. But and, like, I'm a, and I'm a larger uh, person to top it off, you know? So, um, you know, and then, like I said, I, after that conversation that happened in my head, I was like, you know what? Uh, it's not my time. No. You know, and I'm definitely meant to do something. If I, sur if I survived doing the drugs, if I survived my attempted suicides, if I haven't been killed in a drug deal yet, if I haven't gotten into a car accident yet um, while driving under the influence, then maybe I've been saved in more ways than one so that I can deliver a different message. And that's where like my intensity and like super extremity of operational life comes from. But then that's how I, that's how I realized like I got a lot of flaws that I work on that have to do with making more quality friends and influencing people and, and building other people to become leaders because that wasn't a great skill of mine. I sucked at it. So what did you do for Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that? Or do you celebrate any of that stuff? Like when you didn't have family? Did you just pick your friends? Um, no, to be honest with you. So my first three years of sobriety, I didn't do anything with anybody. I wanted to be alone. I, I chose to sit in darkness by myself and figure life out. So my first two years, no, in that first three years, I didn't touch a relationship. Um, I wanted no involvement with another woman. I um, I didn't want to do anything with family. Uh, I just wanted to be by myself, take care of me, and I'll kind of I'll kind of fall forward and learn as I go. And then, like I said, as as things evolved, I made my standards harder to meet every single year, to the point where I realized, you know what, if I make them next to impossible almost impossible then anybody who passes that impossible gets to enter my circle i get it i mean i i love my parents but i never feel good when i hang up the phone with my mom so that's why i don't do it yeah i avoid it as much as i want it to be a positive conversation it's just 
no matter how much I try and direct the conversation to keep it positive, it's not. You can't. They're just, they're they're they're. How old's your mom? She is seventy-seven. So yours is a little bit older. My mom's seventy-three. Yeah, turned seventy-three this year. She'll turn seventy-three in March. Um, same thing. She can't help herself. Yeah. Like always goes backwards. Right. Like, dude. And I end up, this year was the first time I had to tell her. Actually, the conversation I had with her two months ago or a month ago, I had to tell her, I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to sound like an asshole. This is why you and I don't talk anymore. This is why I don't like calling you. This is why I don't like talking to you. This is why you and I will never be on a phone. This is why you and I will never hang out again. And she's like, don't say it. That's so hurtful. And I'm like, but you don't seem to understand. You keep wanting to go backwards in a time. All you want to talk about is negative shit. You never want to be solution-oriented. You never want to listen to your son. I've made it this far in life, and I've done pretty damn well for myself now at this point, and I've you know, done pretty decent with my success, and you still want to listen to other motherfuckers and your shitty brothers over your son, who's doing pretty damn good. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, your brothers have fucked you over in some shape or form, financially, loyalty-wise, but yet your son, somehow I'm still crazy and don't know any better. But yet I'm actually doing great. Being over here with no family to ever communicate with me and telling me they're bullshit. But you don't want to talk to me. But you don't want to take my advice. I get it. I'm like, you and I won't talk. And that was the last conversation we had. You know, sometimes. And I, I'm not sure. We'll see. If that was like maybe a new awakening for her, I'll know in a few months when I talk to her again. Um, Do you initiate the call? Yeah, because she'll call sometimes and I just don't pick up. Like her birthday's coming up, so I'll call her on her birthday. When's our birthday? March. Um, like I didn't call either of my parents on Christmas. I didn't call them on New Year's. My dad's birthday is Christmas Eve. I didn't call them on Christmas Eve. Um, I avoid the holidays to call them because out of sincerity... I'm not going to call somebody out of obligation either, my family members. Um, only because my mom's getting a little bit older um, as her son. I want to be a decent son and call her on her birthday. But holidays, I don't call them. It'll be outside of the outside of that. I, I share that same value. Yeah, I don't want to say Happy New Year to my parents. As shitty as it sounds. I didn't have, again, like some people might disagree and say, you need to be a better person or bigger man. This has nothing to do with that. You don't know what kind of shit I've been through. You don't know what my parents have put me through. Um, and you know, and when people try to uh, say that I'm arrogant or I'm cocky, like, no, you have no idea what I've had to go through to get to where I'm at. That has helped me establish this level of supreme confidence because of what I've gone through now in the 36 years of my life. And I'm not here to explain myself either. So if you want to have this Here's the thing. Your perception of me is really a reflection of yourself, period. If you think I'm cocky, I'm arrogant, you probably got a problem, not me. If you think I'm not humble, you're probably the one that's not humble. Because I know what humility really is versus this fictitious bullshit of what people say humility is. Humility, same thing. It's almost the same. Humility is what falls in the category of personal growth. is knowing what you don't know and knowing where to turn for those answers. Humility is not pretending like you know something when you don't. 
not because I'm aggressive, I'm a go-getter, I'm kicking ass in life. I want to talk about my wins with people. I want people to share their wins. And they say that's not being humble. Like, fuck out of here. I want to celebrate people's wins. When we did that $100 tip club, the shit I heard about that, oh, you guys could have done it in silence. Like, no. Why would we do something like that in silence? Why would we not? Why would we not broadcast the face this guy had when he started to cry when we handed a couple thousand dollars to him? Why would we not broadcast 20 people coming together who don't fucking know each other, who one person orchestrated it, that said, if we come together as a community every so often, literally we can change someone's life for a couple months or for a year. Why would you not broadcast that? Why would you not want to inspire? That whole thing started because I was seeing bigger people in life, meaning status-wise, doing it. And they were posting about it on social media every month. They were celebrating. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. It's lack mindset. That's what it is. And that's where, that's kind of what I want to dive into is the mindset and people having lack mindset and you know them getting in their own way. And, I mean, we all do. But let's talk about that and how people have lack mindset and project their, their thoughts onto other people. Insecurities. If I have something to say, because if I'm going to talk shit about 20 people having the ability to give away a couple thousand dollars and change someone's life for a month or for a year. And this guy said, you know, he told us that, that, that he was able to help his parents out with their groceries, you know, um, and some other things that he had mentioned. And, you know, and we all saw his face. Like, he was like, you're bullshitting. And I was like, no, dude, here, you know. Um, and for me to want to, for me to, number one, have the mentality and the energy to want to talk shit about that shows how insecure I really am. Because now I'm wishing, oh, the reality is you just don't want to do that. You start feeling sorry for yourself, so now you want to make someone else feel like shit because they actually broadcasted it. One of my goals, I have, I've only said this to two people. One of my goals at the end of this year is to write a $100,000 check to a charity at the end of this year. And when I do, I'm fucking broadcasting it. Have you decided what charity yet? I'm debating between three. Okay. I love that. I'd love to see you do that this year. You know, and I'm going to show it off because if that inspires someone to say, hey, I'm going to go donate a thousand bucks fucking great this you change one this one this mindset of like people not sharing their wins is so puny to me like that tells me like you and i will never be friends you and i will never associate with each other you and i will never have a business transaction together you can never be trusted as a human being you've shown every fucking shitty character trait that somebody could have that I'd never want anywhere in my in my world. Unless one day you were to come to me and say, I've been wrong, I've thought wrong, I want change, show me the ropes. Then there's open discussion. Or a genuine apology of, I'm sorry for ever saying what I said. That might change the course a little bit. Yeah. You learned a lot. I learned a lot about what I need to know and what I need to go out there and learn about because I think I've definitely been honing in on skills that I have very well and I definitely could look at. That's my biggest message that I would actually just say in this 
in this episode for you guys podcast is 20% of your effort in your personal development should go towards what you're already good at whether it's in your with your character traits or your values or certain skill sets 80% should go into the things that you're flawed at now that doesn't mean if you suck at media stuff try to go learn how to edit this that and the other on the internet that's not what we're talking about when it comes to growth we're talking about character traits skills leadership team building um you know uh actionable items that have to do with you yourself as an individual um 80 percent of your time should go into into the things that you're not good at that have to do with building people and developing others great leaders build leaders I love it. Well, that was an amazing episode of the One Hustle Show. Like, let us know your uh, thoughts on this podcast in the comments below. Please share this message with somebody who you think would benefit from this if this resonated with you. Uh, please let us know. And uh, looking forward to the next one. Thank you.